Honestly, I still can't believe we're getting a Detective Pikachu movie. And this week, we got trailer number two. And somehow, I'm even more excited than I was after trailer number one. So you saw trailer number two. What stood out to you? How are your excitement levels? Are you confident in this movie? Here's the, well, here's the thing. Ryan, you have Ryan Reynolds playing Pikachu. I think that already sets it apart from really any other actor. Of course, on the spot, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head that could replace him. I'm sure there's people that would do a fine job, but I think it'll, he's going to be fine. I think from the trailers alone, you can kind of tell that Ryan Reynolds is going to steal the show. Oh, yeah. And I think just seeing the, the new commercial or commercial trailer and seeing some of the other Pokemon that are going to be involved in it, are it's super cool. I like it. They're keeping with that art style with these newer Pokemon. Like some of them, you're like, oh, there's Bulbasaur. He's adorable. And some then, of them are kind of egregious and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely... Um, I don't know. It's going to be cool to see what other surprises they have in store. They did... I don't actually want to say it because I know some people are avoiding trailers, but they did show off a Pokemon that could have been a really cool reveal, but you saw it in the trailer. If you watch the trailer, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, you get the cool scene in the trailer of Pikachu cowering up a little ball when he's being attacked and he says, Pika Pika. That's hilarious. Uh, but, you know, the last thing I got to say is there's a lot riding on this movie because there's been rumors coming out that if this does well... The next thing in the works is a red and blue movie. So if you are even a slightly bit interested in this and definitely interested in that, I mean, everyone has to go see it. But I feel like a lot of movies now, they tend to kind of not reveal, but kind of tease. Like they got two or three movies ahead, which I mean, whatever. Fine. If you want to do it that way to try to get people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of jacked up for the first movie that comes out. More power to you because I think, you know, in most cases it probably works. I mean, sure, some sometimes series don't always hit the mark, but mm. I think with a property like Pokemon, I think you can do the crazy things, which a live action movie, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But if you're going to do it, why not just go all in? Exactly. I mean, and the one last thing here, just a prediction slash hype moment. You see Detective Pikachu. It's great. You're sitting in theaters. The credits start to roll. We cut to our after credit scene. Pikachu, he's maybe he's hanging out with another Pikachu, trying to converse with him or something. That Pikachu runs away, camera pans, Pikachu jumps up on the shoulder. It's none other than Ash. We have our first reveal of the next movie. Look, if that's what you think's gonna happen, I don't I can't sit here and say it's gonna happen. That would be the the fanboyism in post credit fanboyism ever. Yeah, that would definitely be the reveal of all reveals in post credits. But hey, we're going to stick with the Pokemon theme as we head into the show, so let's head into the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 80 of Content Neutral. I am one of your hosts, John Conti, joined, as always, by CJ Schumer on the other end. Happy, as always, for episode 80, John. Of console neutral, the Ocho. No, oh, yes, the well, the Ocho is. It's eight, like it's but, like Ocho. I don't. I don't remember my Spanish class that well. But hey, it's a big number. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this week we got lucky because we were for once we were going to record early and we held off, and because of that we got some awesome Nintendo Pokemon Direct news, which we are going to get to later. We also got the freebies, which are interesting this month. A little bit of change of format. But before we get into all that, as we always do, the Week in Review. You are finished up another game we talked about last week. And after our, what I would call week of disappointment or two weeks of disappointment, you got a game that you were very excited to talk about. So I don't know which one you want to hit first, but I'm going to pass it right over to you. We'll talk about Far Cry 5 because we can, we can both discuss this because you beat it last year. Um, and look, here's the thing. It's what I expected to happen in comparison to New Dawn, where they clearly were just trying to extend the story a little bit more. Mm. But when you bring it back to where it all began with Far Cry 5 and this part of the Far Cry lore, that the gameplay is great, the world is great, the, the the seed family, everybody that you have to sort of take out is so demonic in their own ways, but still have that identity. I feel like I use identity a lot now, especially talking about Far Cry, where you talk about going to the first area with John Seed and he's very much like praising the idea of just yes giving in all of that mm -hmm. you talk about uh the faith section of the map which we've discussed at length is very weird because it's very 
drug and sort of that high inducing sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. and that was a part that confused me a lot because I was like, I don't understand if I'm actually a part of like the actual world or if I'm under like the influence or whatever's going on. And then I think Jacob's in the north, and he's this very aggressive yeah. sort of uh, sort of henchman to to Joseph. And the thing that I like the most is that even after seeing you beat the game, after seeing what the end of the story turns out to be, playing through it and actually going through it myself and seeing that one more time, it still hit just as hard. Maybe it, I mean, probably hit a little bit harder just because it was my time mm-hmm. playing through it, and I that was the satisfaction at the end compared to just watching you play it. But yeah, like I mean, this the, this extended universe of Far Cry Five is great. Yes, New Dawn has some problems, but it still very much feels great to play. Mm. But going back and where it's kind of more, I don't want to say boots to the ground. That's more of the the Call of Duty references when you go back to World War Two and uh, like Modern Warfare Remastered. But to to have things almost sort of simplified in Far Cry Five makes it that much better because you don't have to worry about. Ex, like these extra features of A, B, and C of crafting, light RPG, progression, and stuff like that. It's just go buy a gun, get some attachments, find an outpost, and just take out a bunch of people. Mm. Yeah, no, you actually, it's funny, hearing you talk about it, I think back to our game of the year discussion, and I, I remember I got to this game and I didn't know how to explain it. I'm like, yeah, it's just really fun. And But you bring up a good point that like Far Cry has always been about a couple different things. It's Every game has had some sort of like drug hallucination style gimmick to it. Right, that's what I'm, that's what I meant to say, yes. hallucination. And then, you know, there's the gunplay off of, obviously, and then there's the kind of crazy religious culty story. Like those are the three things you need to make a Far Cry game. And what they did so well in five is they took each of the three aspects and split it up into these regions so you get them they're not all at once you get them kind of in pieces like but they each one is really heavily focused in its own region but you get bits and pieces so for example we mentioned the faith section that's where you get the weird hallucinations you get it's it's very eerie like you were saying like i was saying you get to a person, just a random person on the street, and all of a sudden they're like transformed into a wolf, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on yeah. right now?" <laughs> uh, but then again, you go you go up to the north part of the map, and it's all aggression, it's all gunplay. It's about being strong. Exa- That's that was the big thing. Exactly, and it's cool how you know the game flows in a way, but you get all three aspects, but it doesn't feel segmented in a way where. It, it doesn't feel like a video game, like section one, section two. It just all seems to make sense. And I think it's because you said the journey, the characters, they build it in a way where this is all feasible. And going back to that boot to the ground thing, it just, even though this game is ridiculous, you know, neon pink guns and running over bulls with tractors. Hey man, and- if you're going to do it. Do a flare. But in a weird way, it still somehow remains grounded. And that's what I think, you know, when you introduce New Dawn with the colors and the -the over-the-top, like, nuclear setting and the glowing animals, like, that's cool. But there is something about five, even compared to, like, three and four where they're in these, like, tropical settings or in four you're in more like a Middle Eastern, like, an Asian setting. Putting it in my backyard and just saying, like, this is rural America. Like, whether or not you've been to Montana, you've been somewhere driving where it's flat and there's nothing going on. And to run through that world and being able to do the things you're doing, like I said, there's a reason why this game was so high up on my list last year. There's something special about it. And I'm glad, even after playing New Dawn, you were able to go back to five and kind of not feel, you know, I'd say brought down by, like, oh, okay, New Dawn was fine, but more of it was actually better because it's the better game for sure yeah i wish i had played this at the end of last year because this would have easily made my my top 10 list there's definitely some games i would have knocked back for this that's good to know because <laughs> i like it always feels weird when you're the person i'm championing for like oh far cry 5 and i think new dawn has brought it to the light for a lot of people like oh new okay well far cry 5 is on sale now's the time to yeah. jump in. i should say that if i didn't pick up new dawn i may not have even played five mm-hmm. which i know is weird because there there's clearly callbacks to five when you play new dawn and i understood certain parts of it while i was playing and i was like okay well everybody knows there's trailers for it all the time like oh hey like joseph seed is in this this area now Mm -hmm. this is what's happened to the actual world of hope county but to actually sort of kind of go back and just see where everything is it's almost kind of like the red dead redemption to red dead redemption 2 comparison where you know this story like i knew new dawn's story Yeah, yeah and i sort of knew where Far Cry 5 started. But everything in between that, I really, myself, I was kind of like head in the clouds. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So that was actually the fun part of saying, okay, hey, what's what's the 
the driving point that connects these two dots together. Yeah. That's why I liked it. Yeah, and usually I would say, like, my experience with past Far Cry games, like, the story was there as just a mechanism to get you to the next shootout. And I'm not saying that isn't still the case in 5, but there is a little bit more of, like, I am curious what the hell is going to happen when I get, you know, like, when you're fighting a new person, there's those checkpoints of, like, when the story beats are coming. Uh, The one last question I do have for you on 5, what was your go-to gun by the end of the game? When you walked into a firefight and you knew hell was going to go down, what was your go-to gun that you were using what, uh, what attachments did you have on it for you? Like, I was very much an AK guy. Okay. AK-47. Uh, red Dot, Silencer. Look, if you want to take a call back to when I used to play Call of Duty all the time, which is egregious, that's all I ever used. There you go. Yeah, the only reason I would ever... Side note. Any, the only reason I would ever use any other attachments in Call of Duty was to do the challenges to get the experience to level up faster. Of course. Yeah. But in this situation, it's like you don't get player experience. Mm-hmm. You just use what you like. And I was sat there and said, okay... I like the automatic rifle with a silencer and a red a red dot sight. That's all I need. I've always been a fan of silencers in Fire Cry. Something about the click 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 as you're yeah. mowing people down is well, wonderful. especially with outposts too, because you you want to be stealthy in Far Cry Five mm-hmm. because if somebody triggers an alarm, you're not screwed, but it gets much more difficult. It gets violent and explosive very quickly. Now, moving from Far Cry to a game that is nothing like Far Cry, but actually from the same overall developer here. You are a big Trials guy. We've talked about this before, and I think this is the first time since we've been doing a podcast that a Trials game has, you've been actively playing while, you know, we've been doing this. So, Trials Rising is out. Tell me all about it. Uh, It falls very parallel with the Far Cry 5 bit where it is more Trials, but it adds that that secret sauce that you mentioned with 5 last Mm. week that it, it has everything that you want in Trials. But it has more of it, mm-hmm. and it really gives extra care to the aspects that may have been maybe subpar mediocre in, in entries past. And what I mean by that is, like, we're talking about the tutorials, and we're talking about with me specifically, just from an impression, not really a, sort of like a review standpoint, is that it's bringing back this competitive spark in me that I haven't had in years playing games. I've, I've very much in the last few years gone to single-player experiences, story-driven stuff, narrative-driven, open worlds, all of that sort of, you know, sort of features and games. But with this, it's, it's still just me going through tracks and seeing how fast I can complete all of them. But going through and always checking the leaderboards every three tracks, every four tracks, and seeing where I am, it's got me just wanting to play it still. And... That's, I guess, that's sort of just the big thing of me just getting it on launch day, where I've played the other three games before. I played the original one, I played Evolution, and I played Fusion, but I didn't get them at launch. So I always felt like uh, I'm kind of like behind the eight ball here. Yeah. Here in this situation, I'm like, man, dude, I want to hit every track, I want to hit every contract, I want to hit every stadium final, and I just want to see how fast I can get in these. And the, they do a very good job of having that loop, where you can play this game for five minutes, play a couple tracks and just have some fun. But if you're like me and you are the Trials fan, you are playing the same track 30, 35, 40 times because you want to pick out those sections of checkpoints in each mm. track where you see, okay, I'm slowing down here. What do I have to do with my controls on the on the bike? What do I have to do? Where do I want to land? Where do I want to accelerate in certain areas? And you sort of start to micromanage. like The first track, for example, I'll back up. The first track, I'm trying to get the platinum medal for it. They have bronze, silver, and gold medals for your time and, and faults, but there's a platinum medal that you can get that is, they don't show you the time for it, mm-hmm. but you know it's there. And as I've been going through each one, I'm noticing where my time difference is when with my Ghost Rider, where I'm slowing down the most, where I'm picking up speed the best. That's interesting. And so that's sort of the part where if I go through each area, I can see where I need to improve. So that for the entire sort of, I guess, the entire puzzle of that track, mm-hmm. I know where I need the fit, the pieces to fit more, more I guess, more efficiently. Yeah. yeah. No, so the one thing I do want to highlight is, like, I've known Trials games my whole life. You have too. If there is somebody who, like, isn't really connected with the video game world and doesn't know what a Trials game is, uh, for the most part, it's you're on a dirt bike. It is a, I mean, it's not 2D, it's side-scrolling. It's it's an on-track racer. Yeah, and you side-scroll across this map, but the whole point that makes them exciting is it's a lot of, like, it's 
gravity-based and it's very physics-based. And you take this motorcycle and you go over jumps and obstacles and you have to balance the bike. And the whole point is to get from point A to point B and go over these obstacles and do it as fast as possible. It's not so much a racer as it is like almost like a technique challenge. It's very arcadey. Yes. Yeah. yeah, And what I would say too is that they've definitely done – they definitely double down on – themes and set pieces mm-hmm. for these tracks and what i mean by that is for example there is a hollywood theme based track and there's one point towards the end of that track where you're in the air and there's this big open just just open gap for you to jump through okay out of nowhere there's a set piece that comes up and it pulls an upside down cop car that you have to land on in order to actually accelerate and get like sort of like jet stream yourself to the next section yeah. of it which is like the coolest thing These are things that are sort of, no pun intended, trial and error because the first time you play them, you don't know that these things are popping up. Yeah. But when you go through, you understand, like, the flow and the transitions. And I guess there's sort of that satisfying feeling when you land perfectly, you hit the gas in the right spot, and your car just moves like fucking butter. (sighs) And it is so nice to see. And, like, I am a person that is going to play a track until I hit the gold medal on it. Yeah. And to go through and to... You know, play through a track and see my time and say, okay, I know where I goofed up. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restart next time and make sure that in this certain section, I'll make sure that I'm ready for this set piece to move. So that way I know how to lean myself and sort of accelerate or break at the right times. Yeah, that's where I was saying it. it's like it, it's a racer because you're trying to get the best time, but it really yeah. does come down to technique. Like this is a game of precision where like a little bit of gas here, a little ex- taking off the gas at a certain point, you're either falling or losing precious seconds. Now, the thing that I thought was interesting is I only saw a bit of it, even just you going through the menus, playing a track. But the one thing I thought is, you know, Trials has always can, been a niche series, right? If you knew Trials and you like Trials, you played it. What's cool is you showed me that there's a tutorial system in this game. That's the University of Trials is so damn good. It's crazy. And what I think Ubisoft is doing that's smart is they're marketing the hell out of this game. I've been on YouTube like multiple times today, saw Trials. It's waiting till the fourth game now, but they're I think they're realizing that if they can market this the right way, it's a very accessible game to everyone. But now that they're even taking the steps that once you get into the game, they're really going to teach you what this is about. They're not just going to drop you in and say, you know, do this do that they're going to teach you the right way to do things i mean this tutorial system you showed me even has a grading system so you can do the tutorial and you can pass but if they think you can do better then you can do better and what i liked about it too was the tutorial system will not just tell you how to do it but it will say like if you do it the wrong way this is how it will affect you so it's this weird teaching system that you don't get in video games it's like if you do it well this is how it'll benefit you and if you do it bad this is how it'll negatively affect you. And with the right time, it seems that like they really can train anyone to be able to compete. Like you were saying with these leaderboards, this ability to this competitive spirit you have, that I think spark. Yeah. And I think sometimes with games like this, like say, for example, I picked up an old trials game. I would just try to go through and maybe halfway through the game, I'd stop trying to get golds. Cause I can't, I'd beat all the levels and I'd be done. Now it's like, well, hold on a minute. I'm noticing that my balancing isn't very good. Let me hit up the tutorial, get better at that. Now me and you are score chasing. It really does feel like this is kind of, in a weird way, like a reboot to the trial series. Like going forward, this series is open to new fans and here it is. But for the hardcore, like you said, there's a billion tracks here and ability to compete against other people on leaderboards. It's really cool to see that it's kind of working its way into the mainstream. Yeah, the University of Trials tutorial section is really, you only saw a little bit of it, Mm -hmm. but when you get into the later uh, lessons as you level up and progress your rider, there are some that are, they are very much teetered. They are the the perfect example of easy to play, difficult to master. And what I mean by that is the one that you saw, the lesson you saw in particular, is is time based. Where if you, as long as you do it in a certain short enough time, you get an A plus. That's that's the grade you're getting. The ones that I was getting, they are. I'm trying to think of the exact way to put them. They're the sort of like landing and transition ones. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, if you play trials, you'll notice when you get to the latter tracks and you get to the the tougher ones there's these slopes that you always have to sort of like land on and keep your balance on and there's a whole way to dissect it where you land you lean a little bit forward hit the gas a little bit so that way you don't fall back what that lesson in particular does is that it's very much compartmentalized and staged where if you do a couple of them you get a d score you keep going you get a couple more you get a c score 
there's no basis on faults. There's no basis on how much time it takes. And it actually, in a weird way, feels like a platformer and gave me super hard Celeste vibes. Mm, where shit. I know, it's, it's super weird to compare. Yeah, I know. <laughs> John's having an anxiety attack right now. and Because well, what I mean by that is there are so many times when you get to the like to get the the B grade, the A grade, the A plus grade, mm-hmm. where these slopes are, I mean, they are almost like 60, 65 degrees. And trying to do that and not just do one, but have it set up where there's one after another after mm-hmm. another is very stressful. But when you're talking about people that want to excel at trials, uh, somebody like me that wants to kind of like push past that barrier that I've always had where I've always been able to do to do uh, beginner, easy, medium, and get gold medals on most of the hard tracks. Just by naturally playing, you get an idea of how to uh, approach these challenges. The expert ones, I've always said, if I can just pass the track, good. I don't care what my score is. And honestly, really, the the scoring tier is very user-friendly. And there are a few times where I've gotten more than just bronze for passing the track. Mm -hmm. With this tutorial thing, and for me actually being able to see the actual practical objective improvements i'm sitting here saying when i get to these tracks which may take a little while because there is a good amount of tracks in this game before you even get the 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 dlc content i'm sitting here saying i might take a crack at these and i honestly think that if i can at least follow the right path in learning how to do these as well as i can i wouldn't be surprised if i mean maybe i'm tooting my own horn here but I could actually do these expert tracks and not feel so overwhelmed as I have in prior entries. Yeah, that's a. Uh, it's one of those things where you mentioned this competitive spirit that when you're single player, I'm so jacked for this game, dude. <laughs> and when you're one of those like single player gamers, like we have been, for somebody who like every game they play is competitive, they're probably like used to this. But I know how you feel when you finally get that one game. You're like, yo, I'm going for it. Like that competitive kind of like head rush comes back, and and it's interesting to do that. No, I'm excited to. You're gonna have to give us updates how you're doing. If you're you're tackling any crazy yeah. challenges, I know we we've put a hiatus on our leaderboard section, but in respect and in uh, response to trials and the leaderboard aspects of that game, um, I will bring some some little hints at leaderboards. It just won't be in the same vein as we've had in, in entries prior, in episodes prior. Fair enough. Uh, if we're talking about a game that's super competitive that I'm terrible at, let's talk about Tetris 99. Oh, God. So this is a game that if you have the Nintendo Switch online service, it's actually free. And, I mean, I guess technically to play it, you have to have the online service because it's an online game. Well, the game itself isn't doesn't cost anything. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically Tetris Battle Royale. Uh, I started playing it a little bit. It's confusing because they don't really give you... So you play Tetris against 99 other people and you can do things where you can send blocks to other users and users can send blocks at you and you can attack people and you can build up your attack. The problem is they don't explain any of that to you. So they there's like four options of what you can do. They don't tell you what any of them are and or you could just like play Tetris. So the way I've been doing it is kind of just listening to other people and kind of looking at tutorials and playing it that way. But man, people are really good at Tetris, and I'm like, I would say I'm average. I don't average Tetris player. Uh, my best finish is like 36th. Uh, I know our friend Pat, who we've referenced a bunch of times, uh, got as high as six and maybe four. So Ooh. and maybe three. I don't know. But he's done very well. I told him that he's actually ruining the game for me because <laughs> by doing so well so quickly, I'm like, all right, well, I'm clear. I clearly and you're suck. like next. <laughs> Yeah, because I clearly suck. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's it's cool. Like if you have a Switch, there's no reason not to play it. I mean, Tetris is one of those things that on paper, like it's Tetris, but we all love Tetris. And so you get into it, and I'm sure once I can, you know, kind of figure out what the system is, the checks and balances of like what to do and when to do it. Pretty cool idea to do 99 player Tetris at one time. So if that's something you can haven't played and you have a Switch, you have online, I mean, you should try it i mean a quick download there's not much more to it than that though you jump in you play you lose you jump out you go again so yeah i know at least from what i've always felt with battle royale when you have 99 players and you don't you just don't want to be last yeah and it's very much i don't know i know we always reference kfgd a lot but i remember i was listening to uh what a wednesday last week and uh gary himself was saying man once the first person goes out and it's not me all of the stress and all of the weight is off my shoulders. And I feel like if I was going to play Tetris 99, I feel like I can... I don't play a lot of Tetris. I feel like I can grasp the concept and mm. get good at it 
quickly just because of how obviously like, like obsessive I play some games. But to see, <laughs> but to have that, I would probably be in the same vein where first person gets knocked out. I'm like, cool. I don't care where else. I don't care where I place in the end. Well, and like with any battle royale game, there is like a bit of luck that goes to it. You know, you can the algorithm kind of auto locks the first person that you're going to be doing damage to. And like, if you load up a game and it happens to be that like seven people are just auto set to attacking you, Man, you better be good. You can like be sitting there dropping your third block, and next thing you know, it's like do 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 do, and you have fifteen lines. You're like, all right, well, I'm fucked. But, um, I mean, like, the fact that it's free and it's there to play, and that's the one way to... I don't know if this game was, like, a pay-for game, if as many people would be playing it. But the fact that, like, hey, I have an online service, here's a game that's competitive, I, it's pretty fun. Uh, and then my last is just, you know, again, the week of disappointment. I haven't really been playing too much. But the Buffalo Armada expansion team and NBA 2K19 are the champions of the world. Led by none other than rookie sensation Zion Williamson. We have conquered and we have defeated. I don't even know who defeated. They were so, you know, they didn't matter. It was a five-game series. We ended this. But that's probably the end of NBA for me. I don't. Well, congratulations. Hey, man, that's why you play sports games, to win championships. So <laughs> that's why you do it. That's what we're here for. You play sports games. You, you do it the, for the dynasty. You do it for the dynasty. That being said, I will have a lot more to report on next week because the Division Two beta launches this weekend. I am so excited for that game, and I have my squad ready to go. So there will be an update on that. But again, not much on my end in terms of games. But in terms of news, as we jump into the news... This has been the news week for me. Let me tell you. Let's just get right into it. You know, Nintendo said, hey, we got nine minutes or seven minutes, some small ass number for Pokemon. And I said, hey, that's all I need. Feed it to me. We got ourselves a Pokemon Nintendo Direct. We got the announcement of our first look of the new Switch titles, the new generation Pokemon Sword. Pokemon Shield. I'll get to how you feel about those titles in a minute. We got a trailer. The trailer showed off the new region. It showed off the three new starters, but that's all it showed. So, of course, over the next couple months, we are going to get slow leaks. That's what they do with these Pokemon games. I've been through enough of these Pokemon launches to know that I wasn't going to get too much, but my God, I'm excited. This is what I needed in my life. Uh, let me, I'm just going to throw some questions at you. I think that's the best way to handle this. One, how do you feel about the names of the new games? I'm okay with, honestly, I'm okay with both names. I think it's, it's never really mattered. Mm -hmm. I don't think for, for hardcore fans. I, I was just, just for context of what I have in my prior experience is that I was working for GameStop when Sun and Moon came out mm. and I don't know, I guess sort of like the general buzz always seemed like, oh, Sun was going to be cool. But even then, like. If you're a fan, you're buying both. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. I don't think it really matters in that sense. So Sword and Shield, I'm fine with that. I the names never really mattered. It's always like how the game plays. Oh, no, of course. But like, you know, as a series that started out as colors and then kind of got a little beyond that and moved to like gems. Sun and Moon was one of the first times that we got a naming system that didn't really relate to any sort of color. So to move on to something else and evolve that naming system, I know it's like a little thing, but as a Pokemon fan, the fact that they kind of nailed that, in my opinion, like Sword and Shield is a cool way to get out of the color-based system and not make the game sound cheesy. Um, I'm very curious to see how they splice that off. So let's move on next. We got the first look at our three starters. Of course, they. Now, here's the thing: we don't know all the details yet. They are water, fire, and grass. If they follow the system that they followed with Sun and Moon, one of them could be dual typed. Um, in Sun and Moon, we got the first ever flying grass starter. But so we got. Okay, I'm gonna butcher these names. Pokemon. I've never been great with them. Let's start with the grass type first. I think it's Grookey. Close enough. All right, we're gonna go with Grookey. He is described as a mischievous, curious chimp. Very adorable. As all of these are. Then we got Scorbunny. Scorch Bunny. Scorbunny. Scorbunny. You know what? We're going to call him Scorbunny. Scorbunny it is. <laughs> he is a fire type. Highly energetic. That's all they say. Uh, his name, pretty self-explanatory. Kind of bunny shaped. And he's like, you know, red because they do that with the color coding. And then we got, I think it's Sobel? Sobel? Sobel. Sobel? Sounds like Sobel. Oh, Sobel. I do yeah. like that. That is the water type. A timid lizard that likes to hide. Very depressing. Very much right up my alley. Um, <laughs> oh, so here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, if okay, so I immediately today you knew when this got announced, people were gonna do on Twitter the hashtag team whatever. You know that was a big thing. Yeah, it was a big thing for Pokemon Go. So I'm not that person. I am team Pokemon. I want all three of these. I'm gonna find a way to get all three. But if I had to pick one, Sobel, Sobel, whoever he is, this little lizard. Introduction into the trailer when he comes, he's he's kind of invisible. He comes into the water. He shoots little. He's so elusive. Yeah, <laughs> he shoots little little water out of his mouth. Watch the trailer; it's adorable. He's gonna be my starter. I'm a water guy. I always have been. Who are you leaning towards? I mean, you can change. We're not gonna hold you to it. I've always been a fire type, and when I say I've always been a fire type, I mean I've picked Charmander and Cyndaquil for hey, the first two gens. Great. Fire so I figure type. if I do end up picking this up, I'll probably just continue that same road. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, I guess. I played a little bit of Sun and I used Litten. Yes. Which is, that was also the fire type, mm-hmm. so why not change? Yeah, the, the fire types have always been interesting because they tend to, for the most part, eventually end up as a fighting type too, which is weird. That's been a thing with like Blaziken. You had, um, you know, Litten's evolved form as well. Uh, I feel like they're all pretty good. Usually I see the starters and I think to myself like, like, I like these two, but that one isn't. I like the way they introduce them. I'm very excited to hear more about them, if any of them are dual-typed. Uh, but So let's move on to the next thing here. They gave us the first look at the region. Traditionally, the Pokemon regions are based off of... They don't ever confirm this, but they're based off of real-life locations. You had like X and Y, that was very heavily like European and French. You had Sun and Moon, which was a lowland region, clearly like Hawaii-based or tropical-based like that. It seems like, looking at this, we're getting, again, the European vibe... And people are going as far as to say, like, the England, Scotland, Ireland type vibe. I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough to see, like, if it's specifically one of those. But it seems to me that's the general vibe. Um, From what we saw in the trailer, whether it's specifically that influence or just, you know, the graphics, the new look of the Switch, how did you feel in the trailer about going into a Pokemon game? I'm fine with it. I think I always kind of like the, the open plains areas. The the places I always liked in the in the few Pokemon games that I played is the areas between the towns. Mm-hmm. I understand it's kind of cool to just be around everything and you have the Pokestops, you have the Marts, uh, you have the gyms everywhere. But I always liked going through those sort of open, sort of at times quiet areas. And I know some routes are different because they have trainers just littered everywhere. But I always kind of like that sort of isolation in Pokemon, even though you have, of course, your squad of uh, Pokemon with you. It's just, just the the in-betweens between point A and point B with big cities are always what I've enjoyed. So if that's more of that with the Galara region, mm. Galar region, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I actually you make you bring up a good point. Because Pokemon's about the journey, right? The cities make you feel like you've kind of hit a checkpoint, but really it's about those routes, like you know, Route 13 or whatever the hell it is, where you are fighting trainers and maybe you don't have cut yet and you can't get to certain areas. You're encountering new Pokemon, like that's what it's all about. Uh but yeah, this region, I mean, even the shape of it heavily looks like England slash Scotland slash Ireland. It's very vertical. You're working your way up the map, it looks like this time. Uh, I mean, I'm cool with that. I, I think Pokemon does a great job in the past of subtly putting influence of the region that it's copying in where it's not hitting you over the head with it, but it is, you might see it in the architecture or in the cities you encounter. So that I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. They're continuing to at least stick with the idea of changing it up. Uh, the one thing I will say, so this is the first Switch title. They are sticking with the 3D theme that we saw at the first time in X and Y. We saw it in Sun and Moon as well. It looks great. Um, at times it looks very basic Pokemon top-down view you're walking through but what I love is they took the time you saw a screenshot in the trailer where the trainer approaches a gym the camera pans down goes behind their back the gym looks very detailed they show a house with you know um, fuck plant vegetation and like flowers and vines yeah and there, there, there's definitely points when you're going through that trailer where you see sections of the game where the details of course amped up a little bit more yeah so there's definitely an extra bit of detail that it's like because you can do that now uh just the one other thing that i wanted to point out from this trailer because again the way pokemon tends to do their releases it's not like most games where here's a trailer three months later you get a trailer there will be a slow leakage of information from now until i'm guessing november that's when pokemon games traditionally do come out and it is the fact that we are back to random encounters. The one thing we all loved about Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee of the Pokemon appearing on map is a thing of the past. 
So if you enjoyed those games and those were your first Pokemon games, expect a little bit of a new experience, a more traditional Pokemon experience heading forward into this game. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Let's Go games are meant to be more complementary with the actual Go game mm-hmm. where you have that, where you play, th- you walk around our world and you just see them sort of going through the AR sections of the game where you just run into them and catch them and do all that stuff. That's probably why they implemented it into the Let's Go games. I, I wouldn't be surprised just because it is a new mainline game that they go back to what's worked in the past. I, I get, like, you want change, of course. Everybody wants change in some aspects, but when you look at what they've done, what Game Freak and Pokemon have done in the last 23 years now, it's still very much... It, feel, it still very much feels like the same concept at times, but, of course, it looks a little bit nicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, there's a 50 other Pokemon every generation. Probably more than that. Um, but they always sell well. People are always excited for it. So it is that, that old adage of, if it ain't broke, like don't fix it. Like Don't change the wheel because times have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always like, keep the formula... But change little things here and there. Well, and I think when we were talking about Let's Go in the past and how great that new feature was, I think I was talking about the fact that with a new game and with new Pokemon, it was probably a better idea to go back to the traditional system because there is that excitement of you get the encounter and something new that you've never seen pops up on the screen. With Let's Go, we've all seen the original 150 Pokemon. It's, oh, cool, there's a Caterpie. But I feel like in a weird way, I like that system, but I also... I like the surprise of being like, what the hell is that thing? You know what I mean? For the first time. Uh, and then, you know, your characters do look a little bit more mature. You've always had, even the last two games had 3D models, but they still felt like kids about uh, 10 years. Kiddish, yeah. Yeah, whereas your character like looks like they could easily be like an 18-year-old. Now, they're not going to say in the story that you are that old to, you know, isolate kids, but your character does look a little older, and it looks like customization will still be a thing. So... Again, that's all I can derive. There are better Pokemon experts than me out there dissecting every inch and every screenshot, probably revealing more details. But, hey, you got your starters, so you can get a good look at them, figure out who you want to side with, and you got your new location, and you know these games are coming. And for me, that's all I've needed. So I'm very excited. Yeah, it almost looks as though the the way that they're going to leak out more info leading up to launch is going to be very similar to what they did with Smash where you got little new iterations of, oh, here's more details on this, here's another feature, oh, here's stage morphing. Mm -hmm. Who knows what they do with the layout of the way that the starters work, the way that the gyms work. There's only so many things that are really known. Mm -hmm. And so I know the one thing that, I'll reference that again, that uh, Tim Gettys mentioned, also shout out to Tim Gettys, just got engaged, um, was that he's like, oh, maybe there's like an armored evolution of something. With the sword and shield aspect of it. That would be kind of a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, traditionally what they're going to do is the next thing you're going to get the reveal of is those Pokemon you would run into early in the game. So if you're a Gen 1-er, your Caterpies, your Rattatas, your Pidgeys, like that's going to, they will reveal. It's a squad. Yes, they'll reveal the Pokemon that you're going to see in the first probably three badges of the game. The rest, I would say, will be. But uh, also, do we get a look at Legendaries? You know, that's something that um, for the last couple games, the cover Pokemon of the game have been the legendary so you think when the box art gets revealed we'll know yeah. what the shield and sword yeah, i'd imagine that's probably going to be one of the big leaked announcement areas that we go into yeah definitely so expect a heavy dose of that going forward and my excitement will definitely be sure to talk about it here now going from something that is one of my favorite games of all time to a game that you are a big proponent of you've been a big fan of for a long time watchdogs we got a i mean i guess this is this is sort of like resurface leaks. Yes. The so, best way to put it. About Watch Dogs 3. So why don't you take that one? Yeah. So the, the the news that's sort of come out here is that in respect to Assassin's Creed not having a new mainline game coming out this year, Ubisoft is taking that sort of absence there and they're going to apparently be releasing Watch Dogs 3 and it's going to be set in London and there's really not much else known about it other than this has been something that has been rumored for a couple of years now. Um, if anybody has actually beaten Watchdog, uh, Watchdogs two in like the first few months or so of the game releasing, uh, there was this sort of post credit scene like right at the end, and it hinted at this London setting in the future oh, for a future title. And there hasn't been much else said said since then, but Ubisoft has been very adamant and very vocal about saying, even though it didn't hit the sales that it wanted to, they're happy with what happened with mm-hmm. the series. And so, usually when Ubisoft says something like that. 
they're going to keep pushing forward for the next game. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, it took a little bit longer to eventually likely get this third game out. But I'm okay with the London setting. I actually like it. It gives me um, just vibes of something different, which is what they tried to do from one to two, and they really nailed that. But who knows what's going to happen here from two to three. I know that some rumors have said that you'll get the choice of a male or female character, which was big in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And so I wouldn't be surprised if usually the way it works with Ubisoft is a week before E3 and their conference, something leaks, and Jason Schreier is on that like white on rice. Everything leaks. Everything leaks. Not usually. Everything something. usually leaks either the week before or the night prior to their, or the night heading into their conference. Yeah, so I expect Watch Dogs 3 to be huge. And here's why. Watch Dogs 1... Word got around, it wasn't so great, but the game looked awesome, so people bought it. A lot of people were disappointed. So Watch Dogs 2 had all intentions of being awesome, but so many people got burnt by the first one, they didn't pick up what was an incredible game. So the thought now is the word got around after Watch Dogs 2 came out that like, oh man, this was a really good game, and word of mouth is spread, 3 is coming out, I think you're going to see big sales with 3. Now, as much as I love the idea of London... I have found that traditionally for me, when London is used in a setting in games, it's not used... London is... I mean, it's England, right? It's, it, you think of England, you think no sun, you think rain, you think very business-oriented, you think very city-oriented. You think Wimbledon. You think Wimbledon. You think Chelsea FC. Oh, if we get a Wimbledon mission? Oh, my God. That actually would be really cool if we got a, a tennis... <laughs> Game of the year. Or Don't care. soccer-based <laughs> mission or something like that. Um, but, I mean, I even go forward now to, to Forza, where this game this year was based in England, not specifically London. But it was a great game, and there's, it's a cool to see that new setting, but it didn't hit to me the highs that like being in Australia did right and when I think of Watch Dogs 2 I think of that colorful fun weird strange setting that is San Francisco and then I think of Watch Dogs 1 it was like oh Chicago dreary windy cold city oh the Midwest to me London is closer to Chicago than it is to San Francisco and I just hope that they understand what made Watch Dogs 2 so great was that it was still a serious game, but it was really kind of dorky and fun and played with some really cool ideas. I hope they brighten up London in that sense. I hope that your character has this you know British accent, but is still kind of quirky and a weirdo and kind of an outcast, and you can mold them to that setting. And I hope because there is that with in, in London, if you follow, like there is a deep underground like a punk culture that really fits that watchdogs vibe if they take that route i'm i'm good but i do get nervous that london traditionally is not the most spontaneous colorful setting to set a game in so i hope they know what they're getting involved with because that's what made watchdogs 2 so great for me was that more colorful playful setting if you can make london playful i mean I say that playing Devil's Advocate, I loved Watch Dogs too. There's no way I don't get excited for three. Uh, but I am curious to see how they spin the setting. Uh, and I think this is a game that is heavily reliant on its setting, more so than I would say most games are. Yeah, I feel like the the one thing with Forza, not to say that you're wrong, but I think the one thing with Forza too is that it's not just London. Of it's, it's, of course, a, a vast exploration of all of Europe, or at least most of Europe in that sense. So I can see why... Maybe because they only have so much time to work with each respective city that they don't give London the extra boost that it probably could have had. Mm-hmm. Same with other cities, of course. But I think when you have the way that they were able to portray San Francisco, and the example being like, we both have played the game to an extent, and, and then we traveled out there a couple of years ago, and I was sitting there, I'm like... I see the parallels here are so uncanny and they're so good that like I can respect what Ubisoft can do when they take an open world, truncate it, and actually make it represent the major points of that city. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be hard. I mean, when you said something in San Francisco, it's pretty hard to find another city that is like as lively and in a weird way, almost like flamboyant and active as San Francisco is. So, I mean, the only other city that I, I could think would be just as good would be something like Miami or San Diego that is a you know a coastal city with water and color and people with their shirts off and just that kind of liveliness to it again though if they can take what I because about Watch Dogs 2 which was great was the characters the 
the kind of nonchalant, more joking, less serious vibe of it, you can apply that to London if you do it right. I'm just, I just hope they don't settle back into that overly serious kind of uptight vibe that Watch Dogs 1 gave off. If they can kind of meld the two together, no doubt it's going to be awesome. I just, I need to see it. But again, Watch Dogs 2 is so good, there's no reason not to have faith going into Watch Dogs Yeah, if they're going to try to find that balance between the seriousness of 1 and the laid-backness of 2... I would say still skew more towards what two had with Marcus and that entire dead set group. Mm. But yeah, I understand what you're saying there because I know a lot of people had said there was a sort of disconnect, this sort of juxtaposition where they are such a laid back, like just happy go lucky group of people. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, if you want to walk right outside that cafe, Marcus can pull out his pistol and just shoot someone in the head, Yeah, which is super weird. But if you can tone it, not tone it down, but tone it up. Mm-hmm. I agree. And make it more serious. It would make it, believable is not the right word, but it would match more with the overall setting and tone of a Watch Dogs 3. Exactly. Like, keep the, keep the like, punk rock, like, kind of rebellious attitude of the character, but also make it so that it wouldn't be weird if that character shot somebody is probably the right way to go with this. That all being said, the fact that rumors are coming out that Watch Dogs 3 is coming, we know it's coming, that's exciting. That's really, I think, like, the underlying news here is, we're probably going to hear about Watch Dogs 3 sooner rather than later, and I am all on board for that because Ubisoft has been killing it lately. So uh, moving on now to the last – I'm just going to run through this really quick. This is more for uh, my reinvigorated interest in Overwatch. We're getting our first Overwatch support character that is new. in the in, I think it's been about a year since the last support character was – was announced we got ash at e3 we got i think it was bridget was the last support character we got about a year ago so we got the reveal of new overwatch character baptiste he is a combat medic surprisingly if you play apex he kind of looks like gibraltar who is one of the apex characters kind of interesting that they're being released at this time um he's an orphan from haiti that joined a military organization of course as overwatch always does great backstories they, there's when they do those short films they really do a good job of actually nailing those characters and giving them life and actual personalities mm-hmm. yeah you like when you play as the character they're not just like <coughs> a skin they're mm-hmm. a real person i guess you could say uh just for anyone who plays overwatch so he's a damage oriented support so what it looks like is he's got this kind of more heavier machine gun that he uses that has a basic... It, I couldn't tell if it was burst or full automatic bullets, but then he has a secondary fire, which goes to more of a grenade launcher that you shoot at your teammates to heal them. So that's his main primary weapon. Uh, going through his abilities were actually pretty nice. He has a health burst. If you're nearby teammates, you click a button, they get health. I don't know how much, but that's cool. Uh, they have a, a high jump that is a passive ability for the character. The one thing that I really did like was their ultimate is he shoots out a matrix that looks like a shield. And from what I could tell from the video, if you shoot through the matrix at an enemy, it increases the damage of what you're <laughs> that's shooting. That's pretty sick. Yeah, I, so I, it's I like, like, like if like you're Junkrat and you shoot your little bomb through the matrix, it will then enhance its damage level. So if you're really, like you can see if you're trying to push a point you throw the matrix down, everybody's shooting through that, getting more damage. Um, and he also comes with a shield himself that he can use. So seems like a fun character for me playing support. If you have a decent primary weapon, uh, I need that. I can't just play straight support. So I like him. I'm excited to use him. It's nice now having been back into Overwatch that I can kind of look at this and go, oh, this is what's useful to me and what's not. But again, Blizzard doing what they do. Good backstory, good abilities, good checks and balances. I'm pretty excited for him. So, do you have anything to add? I know you haven't been played Overwatch lately. Something, anything here for you? No, that's it. I don't think. I don't think this is a direct reaction to. What did you say the other guy from Apex was? His name's Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Yeah. I don't think it is. I really just think it is a coincidence thing. It probably they've, is. They've added what? This is probably what the fifth or sixth character that Overwatch has added. It might even be more than that. It might be more than that. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that after getting Ash. A few months ago that we would get something now it's around it's around the right time if you think about the time frame and yeah i did i did mention that like it's been a year since the support characters came out so the one thing that actually stemmed from this that was interesting is there are rumors now that overwatch is going to go to like a hero based 
rotational system for seasons. They have so many characters now that can be used at any point. There was rumors that you're going to get in, I don't know what the how long each season would be, but you're going to see certain characters just go away for the season. Oh. And so that you can kind of force people to use other heroes. It'll be a lot easier for them to balance, honestly, with, you know, hey, there's only 20 active heroes at this point. I'm cool with that because I nothing I love more than being forced to kind of try something new, and that's one of the great things about Overwatch. So awesome. Glad. I was wondering when the next character was coming. But that's it. That's the end of the news. Quick one for me right there. You know, I know. I'm the only Overwatch guy on here. Uh, but let's jump into everybody's favorite segment. It's the freebies. Now, we got less games this month. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to pass it to you. You go down it, PlayStation and Xbox, and then I'll, I'll react oh, when okay. you're done. Okay, PlayStation Plus for the month of March. So they've gone just full PS4 now, no PS3, no PlayStation Vita. Vita officially, 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 officially dead. Sorry, I had to emphasize that. Dead. Dead. So <laughs> PlayStation 4, you're getting, you're getting Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remastered and The Witness. And for Xbox Games with Gold, you're getting Adventure Time, Pirates of... And Sheridian, man, yeah. I gotta hate that word. Yeah, why would you name? Man, your why name? did this is why you gave it to me? That's bad. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare Two, Star Wars Republic Commando, and finally Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I'm gonna just start right now. PlayStation absolutely wins. Yeah, that is a th- pathetic. Will, well, and then here's the thing Xbox. that was that was the big concern that we had going into this whole new approach to PlayStation Plus was that PlayStation, if they're gonna just have PS4 games. You better have some good stuff, and I know that at least when The Witness came out, everybody that was playing it was like, oh my god, this is the greatest like environmental puzzle interaction game that I've played in a long time, if ever. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with the popularity of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, it makes sense to get a big AAA game out there. The thing is, like... Their big AAA games, like this the Modern Warfare Remastered, obviously huge. Like, if you have that game, no better time to jump online now because everyone's going to have it. And The Witness, like you mentioned, great puzzle game, Game of the Year nominee. Both really, like, old games, though. Like, they're for taking everything else away from us, I kind of expected something maybe a little more, like, mm-hmm. prominent. And I don't think PlayStation wins because their selection's great. I think PlayStation wins because Xbox's selection is awful. I mean, they're, I mean, come on. Adventure Time, I mean, I know people like that cartoon, but as a video game... No. It doesn't work as a game. No. And you got Plants for Zombies, Garden Warfare, fun little first-person shooter, but not, like, like that's should third be the third... Third-person shooter. Is it third-person? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know. I always thought that was the first-person. Okay, so still, you got that as a third-person fine whatever um another star wars game this is republic commando is this the one where you play as the bounty hunter no that's actually star wars bounty hunter that's Uh, that's the game that you play oh okay yeah yeah. Yeah, this is one of those older ones though we've been seeing a lot of these on xbox or who knows maybe this one i don't know if this one's it or not (laughs) and like metal gear rising revengeance is actually a pretty solid game yeah but it's a really old game and i'm if i'm not mistaken this is a what is it it's one of the backwards compatible games yeah so it's just not a great showing from Xbox, and you would have thought, knowing that PlayStation is reducing their lineup, you might come with something big. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, they're doing a lot great on the other services that they have, uh, but from PlayStation's side, like, who didn't play Modern Warfare, right? Right, that was what I was going to say. It's Yes, it is a big third-party game, but who hasn't played Modern Warfare, especially after the standalone release what, almost two years ago? Yeah, so week all around this month. I almost want to say nobody wins, but if you are willing to try a puzzle game and really commit to it, I hear The Witness is, like, unbelievable. If you want to win, get Nintendo Switch Online, then get some of the NES library, and then Nintendo wins. Yeah, Nintendo does win. Actually, this month, you're right. Now that I'm going to recalculate... That was that was the soft segue to saying we've achieved constant neutrality. <laughs> Hey, man, are we talk about Pokemon. We got oh, that, shit, right, never mind. We Sorry. got that Nintendo in there, don't worry. That ain't coming to PlayStation, is it? No. Um, <laughs> no. But no, I, I just, again, I'm not trying to shit on any of these games because I know a lot of people, when the Modern Warfare was announced, they didn't want to buy the both games to get Modern Warfare. And the fact now that it is free to everyone, you are going to see a, like a spark in, in the online count, which is cool, you know, good reason to jump back in and play. 
But again, like these are very old games for the most part, and I expected that if you were going to strip away my Vita, my PS3 games, I was hoping for a VR title, maybe something a little more recent. There isn't like really much of an incentive here. And if you look again back at Xbox, like I won't touch that. So no. Week everyone's favorite segment, not everyone's favorite month for releases. No. Uh, so there's really not much more to talk about there. I think we are going to, for the first time ever, we're going to declare Nintendo as the winner, even though you have to pay for their online service. Well, I guess you have to pay for these too. You're better off playing Tetris. The 99. winner of the freebies is the paid online service. <laughs> hey, you get Tetris 99 free this month. Technically that is true. It's better than any of these games in my opinion. So, but yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, uh, the week summed up news freebies we were gonna bring back leaderboards but i did the, the freebies well dropped. i told you trials rising you're gonna get leaderboards every week maybe i should do that while i'm playing it i'll give you an update on where i rank <laughs> i'd like to know actually because i mean if you're getting up there yeah, and hopefully i can get two because i i told john not while we were recording but i'll i think i might pick up the switch version as well just so that way if we're watching raw or smackdown which coming later recommendations um I still, I like, the, it's just got such, it's got the hook that's got me. And I just want to keep playing it. Well, and you know, and it's kind of like any professional athlete in any sport, you need to train all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're not playing your PlayStation, why not be training on the Switch, right? That's what being a professional gamer is all about. Future esports star CJ Schumer, Trials Rising, Platinum Athlete. Hopefully we can just go to PAX East and I'll be like, hey, I'm in the top whatever for PlayStation and Switch. There you go. Because, well, the, the leaderboards are cross-system. Oh. Yeah, so if you actually look at it, if you look at if somebody has a Ubisoft logo next to their name, they're not playing on PlayStation 4. That's wild. Yeah, it's super cool. Huh. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it. But again, before we go, we always like to give you recommendations. CJ, what do you got for the faithful listeners? I would have had Fighting With My Family, which is the documentary of uh, one Soraya Page, uh, former WWE female wrestler. Um, unfortunately, I can't give you that full recommendation because when I went to go see it, the, the power went out in the movie theater. And so halfway through, I was uh, abruptly cut short of that fun experience. How did you enjoy the first half? I mean, it was good. Okay. But <laughs> I just don't, I'm, I'm sure just knowing her story, I'm going to enjoy the second half of it. Okay. Um, the other thing after that, we'll stick on the wrestling front. If you know me and you know my, my new love for wrestling, I have some great news for all of you. Uh, the prize fighter, the one and only Kevin Owens is officially back. And I don't know how he's getting written into this storyline because it's super weird, especially with people pushing for Kofi mania. Mm-hmm. Look, I am all KO mania. Just let's just put it there. But he, he's he got the title shot at Fastlane. I doubt he's going to win it, but I hope that it leans into something mm-hmm. a few weeks after that for WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, and on my end, going back, I will stick with wrestling. I was fortunate enough to not have the power go out. Oh, congratulations. I saw Fighting With My Family. I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, Okay, so it's a wrestling movie, technically. But there's a lot more here. It's kind of like your traditional sports movie where the sports are used as a backdrop to carry the story along. But this really is a story about a person and their perseverance through the top, overcoming odds. It's traditional. It is really good. And I think the key here is that you know, it was being produced by the Rock Seven Bucks Company. It's a WWE movie. I don't know if anyone was really expecting it to like be good, expecting it to be passable, and I thought it was more than that. And currently, it's sitting at a. It, it is was, certified fresh. It was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, still is, and on CinemaScore, I think, is recently has an A minus. So it's it's doing well. Um, but sticking on the movie front, also, I got a chance to see Vice, which. Uh, was nominated for multiple Oscars and the local theater down the road is playing some of those movies. And man, let me tell you, I've never been more uncomfortable watching a movie in my entire life. Uh, If you've ever seen The Big Short, Vice is similar to that where it's a telling the story of a a section of American history that a lot of us kind of remember and live through, but it gets more into the specifics. It teaches you about it. It reveals mostly truths. I mean, you got to remember this is still a movie. Some of this could be fabricated. They probably exaggerate a bit of it. Yeah, but similarly to the way when you watch The Big Short, you come out of that going like, man, banks suck. And that was really... Awkward, we both work for banks. Yeah, and that was like a really (laughs) shitty thing that happened. You come out of Vice going like, man, Dick Cheney's a psychopath. And it's weird because the movie's like kind of a dark comedy. 
And then you realize that it also is based on real life, and that's when it gets really cringy. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth watching. Christian Bell's performance as Dick Cheney is wild. The yeah. transformation. If you look at him, it doesn't even look like it's Christian Bale. It's it's insane. Um, You're like, and, that guy plays Bruce Wayne? What? <laughs> and then Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush is just hilarious. So it is definitely worth watching, though. I mean, regardless of what your take on whether this was a good or bad event in American history— the little bit of it that you know is truth and the shedding light on this situation is, is really cool. It's really insightful. I don't know if it's like, you know, best picture worthy, but there are definitely like some Oscar vibes given off in it. So give that a watch if that's your type of movie. But those are the only recommendations I have for this week. Anything else on your end? No. <laughs> KO. That's all you need. I wish you were here when we watched that live. I would have lost my shit. Yeah, I was watching Vice as that happened. And so. then I texted you and I was like, I don't care that you're at the movies. Kevin Owens is back. <laughs> you know, I did see that. There was excitement in my brain when I read that for you. So, <laughs> that being said, everyone, thank you for joining us this week on episode 80 of Console Neutral. I've been one of your hosts, John Conti, joined as always by CJ Schumer on the other end. And we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.